Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and listening here. Uh, appreciate all of you coming in here uh, every week to the podcast. I love having these conversations. A lot of them have been with friends and colleagues and, and just fascinating and amazing people that I've met over the years who are doing extraordinary things in their life, in their health, in their business, with their spiritual uh, selves, with their life purpose and mission on the planet, contributing to other people's lives in an incredible way. And one of those people that I think is a really truly an extraordinary person, somebody I've gotten to know over the past few years, uh, who is all about the high performance life. He has completed six Ironman triathlons. He has completed 50 ultra marathons and 40 regular marathons. Uh, he did the, he ran the six marathons across six continents on six consecutive days. Um, and he also has this really fascinating background and, um, capability to grow and scale businesses, particularly in the software industry. And so it's this really interesting, unique combination of skills and passions and desires that are about health and self-improvement and helping others improve their lives and experience their own high performance life and experience greater health and fulfillment in their lives. And then doing that at a larger scale uh, with scaling businesses and doing it across the healthcare industry as well. So Joe, uh, today is uh, my guest today is Joseph Gagnon. Uh, Joe, it's awesome, dude. We haven't talked. I think it's, man, I think it's probably been a couple years. Uh, I still yeah. follow you on social media and stuff. I saw you're doing some really cool stuff online. So I was like, hey, let's, uh, let's reconnect, dude, get you on a podcast. So uh, thanks for coming on, man. Happy to have you. Nathan, it's such a pleasure. You know, sometimes when we listen to these intros, we're like, are they talking about me? You know, like I tell everyone, I went to school in the Bronx for eight years. Like I was high school and college and sort of never had a view that any of that would have been possible. You know, it'd be like this sort of like if someone handed you, you know, 30 years ago, what would happen in 30 years? You'd be like, oh, come on. That's not really going to happen. And then you know, just like you, you realize that what you put into it, you get out of it and, and then it just builds. And then you sort of like the crazy parts, like you build more and then it's another foundation layer and then you go deeper and like, it's been just a joy, you know, it's been, it's fun to get reconnected uh, with you and to get this conversation going. Cause I think that the more that we share what we've both been able to do, the more that would probably excite others to give it the same effort, right? And you get a great return out of that. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited to, I want to hear some things about 
kind of dig into and unravel um, your mindset and and the resilience that you've cultivated in yourself to be able to do all of these extraordinary feats. And to kind of tee that up, I want to share my own experience with an ultra marathon. So I don't have a running background. I never really ran in my life. In early grade school, I did some running sports. I did like soccer and stuff like that. But, you know, by 17, 18 years old, I was not running at all. And then I never really did any running at all after that until I was, I think, around 27, 28. Started running a little bit just to kind of like overcome some stress and like a little bit of depression I was going through mm -hmm. with a big business failure that had happened. And I was just like, oh, I just need to go for a run, which was interesting, right? Because I had never really ran before. I had this encounter with this man in Costa Rica who was like in his 60s running up and down the volcanoes. And he like invited me to go for a run with him. And I finished and I felt amazing. I was like, this was incredible. Went back home and then kind of had this big business challenge. And I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And all of a sudden I was hooked on trail running. I was running in the trails, you know, a mile, half mile, mile, mm -hmm. two miles. Yep. And then it was like how my mind works is like, oh, um, let's sign up for an ultra marathon. You know, I read, I read, well, I read Born to Run and then yep. I started following a bunch of runners online and then found ultra and started watching ultra marathon stuff like that. And it was like, I'd never ran a half marathon, never ran a marathon. Of course, I signed up for an ultra marathon. Um, right. This was not a hundred mile or 50 mile. This was 35 miles through the mountains in Prescott, Arizona. But um, I was trying to build up, um, you know, the volume to be able to do that. I mean, even people who run 35 milers are, you know, running at least 50 miles or more a week, right? Yep. I could never mm -hmm. get above 30 miles a week. My body would just like break down every time because I didn't have that background in running. You know, it was like my feet yep. would hurt so bad. My calves, my knees, my joints, it would just, I just didn't have that volume. But, uh, but short of it is I made it to the ultra. I had realistically like six months of actual running up to that point. Um, all I wanted to do was finish it. I did finish it. And it was like, I went through that. It took me like eight hours to do it. And yep. in that eight hours, as we ran around the city and the mountains, I actually felt like I ran around the world and it was a year of my life. Mm. That was the feeling that I had of like the ups and downs, the mental, emotional experiences, the the fight and resilience I had to go through to keep putting one foot in front of the other when I was going through excruciating pain. Like when I finished, it was just this amazing sigh of relief and like ecstasy and joy at the same time. My daughter ran across the finish line with me. I was, you know, tears coming out. And it was just like I accomplished something that, you know, almost seemed impossible to me. And to real ultra runners, they look at that and go, yeah, whatever. But, you know, at, at some point, everyone has to start somewhere. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning into this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. All right, let's get back to the show. You know, I yep. know that's nothing like a 50 or 100 miler, but for me, that was like a thousand miles, you know, 35 miles at that time. And it was so extraordinary. And, and it gave me that next level of confidence I needed in my life and my business to, to continue forward. 
Um, but what I wanted to say about that was the, the fact that I set out to achieve something to me that seemed almost near impossible, trained for it, and then actually accomplished it was, was extraordinary and was, you know, so life regenerating for me. And then I look at your accolades and background, having done, you know, what, 50 ultra marathons. And I know many of those are from 50 K to 50 mile to a hundred mile. Um, yeah. and the fact that you have, have accomplished all of that, what has that felt like for you? Like I said, that eight hours at 35 miles for me felt like a year added to my life, a year in a good way. Not like I lost a year. It was like, I just yeah. gained a year of wisdom and experience is what I felt like. I can imagine for you, you know, maybe that's like a hundred years at this point. I don't know. What's that been like for you? Well, you know, congrats on, on that accomplishment. They're all amazing. And we know that, you know, the, the journey of a thousand steps starts with one. You know, if we go back just a little bit, you know, what I found as I've reflected, you know, I think Nathan is so easy to somewhat in reflection to better characterize what we do, but maybe when we're going through, we're not so sure we actually know what we're doing. But, you know, the first half of my business career, I graduated college, all that worked well. I actually had really nice financial success, business success. And I took, I had everything everyone wanted. You know, I had this, you know, I had the BMW and the big house. I was married. I had two kids, the country club. I was, you know, with a lot of money in my pocket. And, you know, there I am, you know, in my late thirties saying like, is that it? Like, is that the end of the story? Like my life is going to just be that for the next 50 or 60 years. And it felt like really empty to be perfectly honest. And so I didn't really know what the answer was going to be, but I knew it had to be something more. I knew it had to be finding that I had maximized maybe my potential there, but I had so much more that I needed to find out. So it started with that one mile and that one push up, and it started to try and find out how to build strength at a different level within my system, not just some intellectual strength, but some physical strength, have some resiliency. You know, I got pretty good at the the challenge of work and the failures and the successes. And I had sort of created a good resiliency there. And I thought, well, I could translate that into more. So it started with, I never thought I'd run a marathon, let alone ultra marathon. I didn't even know what they were. The Ironman thing was absolutely ridiculous because I had never swum more than five, five laps in a pool. And so all of it was very foreign and not in the plan. This was just sort of try and do a little more with myself. And so what happened, the, some of the key triggers were like, okay, number one, what was the accountability model going to be that would allow me to succeed over time? Because I think this is one of the things that happens is often we get curious and we go start something and then we don't stick with it because we haven't really. And so funny thing, I created a spreadsheet like with my accountability partner was filling a spreadsheet in every day. What did I do today? And so I never liked not filling it in, which is how I went from doing one day to three days to five days to seven days. And then, you know, for the past 11 years, I've done it every day, done something because I want to fill the spreadsheet in. And so I have this mirror in front of me of what I've committed to and what I've done. And, you know, we could go look at it and find out what I did on a Thursday in 2005, for example. So that was part one. Part two was that I realized that the more sincere about it I was, 
the better I got at it. And so here it was interesting. You know, I wasn't an athlete in high school or college. I had never had any of that kind of success. But I found that the time I was putting in, the reasonable training plan and the commitment to myself, I started getting better. And I was like, wow, this is pretty interesting. I'm getting faster. I'm stronger. So I started not just running. I started doing push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups. And I started like creating, you know, the 20-year-old version of me. Now I'm in my 40s. I'm like, man, this is sort of crazy. I'm stronger, faster, and better than I was. So then the other thing, the third dimension for me was, you know, I always think about this like consumer versus creator. I can consume a lot, but I'd rather create, right? There's this energy inside of us that starts to bubble up. The more you use it, the more it wants to come out. We sit on this latent capability every day that's like sitting ready to go. We don't touch it. So I started writing started blogging about my activities. It's not even caring whether everyone would even listen. I was just writing out to the world, publishing. You know, now, Nathan, just this past week, I've gotten 4,000 blog posts in a row. I've done it every day for over 11 years. And, you know, and so- <laughs> That's incredible. Little by, little by little, I started liking the counting. I liked the accountability. But what really happened was that I started to just believe in myself at a deeper level, you know, like, yeah, I had done what everyone else thought you should do. Good business career, take care of the family, make some money. And then I thought, well, I hadn't developed me. Now I'm starting to learn how to develop me and feeling really good about that. And you no, know, I don't know, for the first 10 years, I don't think anyone even knew what I did because it really wasn't, it wasn't there to celebrate for everyone else. I wanted to create in me sort of this commitment to myself that I could deliver on when you talk about how good you felt at the end of that race, I often feel really great because, you know, if I can make a commitment to myself and deliver on it, then I probably can do anything. And so, you know, I could keep going, but I'll stop there for a second because I think that, you know, what really took a lot of time, I mean, this is over 20 years of this commitment. I reframed my entire life. Now I have a purpose. Now my purpose is even morph more deeply into how I can help other people be a role model for what's possible. Remember, I started with no special skills. I started with $0 in the bank. I had only one advantage, a loving family. That's what I had. That was it. You know, the rest was just, hey, Joe, go give it a shot. And what's you know, going to happen. Let's go find out. And it's been just amazing throughout. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At healinglife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, cancer conquerors, and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at healinglife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, 
All of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net, and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, what I've noticed in my own life is I've gotten committed to a physical, challenging pursuit of my own inner greatness, right? Uh, uh, through physical activity. So it started as ultra, well, that ultra marathon. And then it was yep. the question at that time was, okay, I want to get better at this, right? And I want to keep doing it. I want to get better at it. So I was researching and then I came across Ironman. I thought, oh, that'd be interesting. Same thing. I never swam before. Learn how to swim, uh, bike. I like biking. You know, that would be a great challenge. And at the same time, my brother, you've met my brother, Derek, my younger brother, he introduced me to CrossFit and, and I saw CrossFit and I thought, yeah, this could help me get better at running, right? Do this a couple days a week. He first told me about CrossFit and I was like, that sounds stupid. Why would you ever do that? And then as I looked more into it, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, I see a lot of athletes use CrossFit to get better at their sport. I was like, I'll go check it out. And so, you know, I went to a class and I was like, oh, this is freaking awesome. You know, you're like <laughs> dead at the end of a 12 minute workout laying on the floor. Your heart's beating a million miles a second. And you're covered in sweat and everyone around you is the same way. And it's like you feel unbelievably accomplished. Right. You went through this major challenge and it was like, oh, now you feel amazing. The endorphins release and all that stuff. And so. After that, I went to like three or four more classes and then I was hooked. I was like, this is what I want to do. And I want to pursue this uh, not only as a sport, but like as a profession one day. And so I've been actually committed to that for the last six years now. Um, so yeah. it was either going to be Ultra Ironman or CrossFit ended up being CrossFit. And along these last six years of being fully committed and dedicated to this as a sport, as a as a um as a challenging thing that I, I get myself to do every single day is that it's made me a better person. I've, it's hmm. significantly made me a better person. It's made me better at my business. It's made me better with my family. It's made me better with my wife and my kids. Uh, it's made me better in every area of my life, obviously physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I wonder if that's the same with you that as you started, you know, you were feeling empty, even though you had this, glamorous life that most people aspire to the money the cars the house all this stuff and yet you felt completely empty which is very common for many people especially if they yeah. don't have a real deep sense of purpose and you start running and you start setting goals and you start getting better and you're doing push-ups and pull-ups and things like that right and seeing your progress over the time as you committed to you know these challenging feats these ironmans and marathons and ultra marathons did you notice that in your own life that not only you felt better, because we know any physical exercise is going to make you feel better, but did you start oh. to notice those unintended, unintended positive consequences of like every area of your life also getting better over time? Yeah, you know, oh, the simple answer is yes, 100%. There's some things that people have sort of made into somewhat of a trite statement, you know, like being comfortable while you're uncomfortable kind of thing. But really... At the end of the day, like we're a system, right? And this system works very well when you use it well, right? When you treat it well, it responds really well. And every time you do that, it builds confidence in anything that you want to take on. 
Like, because struggle is something we should sort of seek out. It isn't like to hide from, you know, it isn't like the pain of a broken leg. The pain of suffering is an internal struggle to get the system to go where it needs to do. Because really, homeostasis, right, this idea of balance is a primitive concept, right? We were, when we were hunter-gatherers, we needed to stay still because we didn't have a source of energy and we tried to burn as little as possible. And we've carried that forward. And so it makes us somewhat sedentary naturally by evolution. But the truth of the matter is we're actually a physical system that can respond very well to stimulus. And every time you stimulate it, it gives you a good response. You know, the neurotransmitters of dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and the rest of them are all geared towards making our system continue to develop, right? It motivates us, but you got to sort of trigger it. So it is absolutely not correlated. It's causal. It's causal for improvements in your life. Every time you test another part of our system, and, you know, these are simple, like it's like we love sports analogies because they're simple, but, you know, doing one push-up, 10 push-ups, 100 push-ups, you know, Nathan, I set out this year to do 100,000 push-ups, you know, not because you couldn't do it or others couldn't, it's just, it's actually the process of holding that together for a year. It's like 300 a day. Okay. 300. So you're going to do 100,000 push-ups this year, doing 300 push-ups a day every day? Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I want to take a quick second and let you know about something really special I recently updated. I think uh, you might benefit greatly from something I think you might enjoy and want to take a look at. And it is my book called The Panacea Cleanse. It's a powerful 12-day plant-based detoxification and healing guide. It's already hit number one in four categories on Amazon. There's thousands of people that have done this cleanse and I've read so many testimonials from it. Let me read you one really quick. Aaron said, I did the panacea cleanse and followed your instructions closely. I had amazing results. I stayed healthy while everyone around me, my kids and family were getting very ill from a virus. I also lost some weight and my menstrual cycles are much less painful. I also don't have bad headaches anymore. Thanks for the information you put out. She's just one of thousands who have gained Tremendous benefit from this cleanse. If you want to improve the quality of your life and your health, clean out your organs, clean out your digestive tract, help lose weight and burn fat, and basically give you more energy, help you feel alive, go check out the Panacea Cleanse, P-A-N-A-C-E-A, the Panacea Cleanse on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks or something like that. And you can follow it day by day. It's got a recipe list. It's got a shopping list. It's got everything you need in there to follow this powerful cleanse. It took me about two years to create it. My wife and I have done it multiple times. It's been amazing in our own lives, and I'm happy to share it with you. So uh, go check it out if you're interested. The Panacea Cleanse. It's on Amazon. Thanks, and let's get back to the show. Yep. So it'll be over 100,000 ultimately when the done. But yeah. <laughs> and so- you're almost. And you're almost there. Yeah, I'm over 90,000 right now. That's incredible to think about. But as you just, you said 100,000 pushups in a year, and it's like, it sounds impossible, but you just broke it down yep. per day. And it's like, well, 300 pushups a day would be hard. But if you break it down into, you know, and then you break that down, like I do this in the morning, I do this at noon, I do this at night, and you break it down even further, it becomes 
something that is actually achievable. Yeah. And what happens, the best part, like, so if there was like the home run point of this entire discussion, like I literally feel like I have been so privileged to feel things that so many people have never felt. Like that is my literal privilege. Like, so for example, when I might have been really busy, I traveled one day for work and I get to a hotel and it's 11 o'clock at night and I still have my 300 push-ups to do. And I sit there looking at myself in the mirror and say, what are you going to do? And this feeling cannot be manufactured any other way. Literally having to stick to the goal tests my soul. So you go through this like, well, you could do it tomorrow. No one will know if you didn't do it. You could get to bed sooner. Then you're like, no, I made this commitment. And it is possible to take these 15 minutes and get this done. And then you can go to bed. And that thought process is so empowering. Because then I can take on any other challenge. I can sort of set myself up for looking, you know, in the dark side of our inner being to which part is going to win the argument, you know, the goal, the objective, the commitment to excellence, or sort of the struggle, you know, against sort of the day to day. And so I have been blessed in ways that I can't even imagine, you know, I would never buy a lottery ticket because I already got it. And I got it when I realized I needed to put myself on this journey because it has created more opportunity and more power in me than anyone could ever imagine could possibly happen. That's incredible. And I, I mean, I can definitely relate to that in so many ways. This morning's a great example. You know, I woke up, alarm goes off. It's like, I want to sleep in. My body hurts. My legs are sore. My <laughs> knees hurt. My shoulder hurts. Yeah. My hands asleep. Like, and I could sleep in, like I could easily sleep in. I don't have anything that I absolutely have to do. Right. It's like I could sleep in. And then that's it. I talk to myself in that moment. I say, nope, you've, you've got to work out. You know, I'm to, my mind's talking. It's like trying to talk me out of doing my morning workout, trying to talk me out of the ice bath I do in the morning, trying to talk me out of these because they're uncomfortable, right? They are yeah. uncomfortable. And I'm sitting here, you know, fighting with my mind. And the more you do it, the more you say yes to the things you committed to the day before or the week before, the month mm -hmm. before, the easier it is. So that conversation yep. in the past where it'd be like, okay, let's sleep in. It's like, nope, get up. Just get up and get moving. That's what I tell myself now. Get up and right. get moving. Because I know when I get up and I get moving, I start doing my morning routine, do a little Qigong in the morning. I stand on the power plate, get the blood flowing. You know, I do a little meditation. I start my morning going. Energy gets up. Body starts feeling better. It's so much easier to take that next step. And since I've turned my ice baths into a habit now, I don't even I don't even think about it anymore. Where I'd sit there for like thirty seconds, a minute, two minutes, and like kind of like, do I really want to do this? You know, let me let me wait till the clock turns around for another minute, like, and then I'll get in. <laughs> now it's like I just, I've done it so many times. I literally just I walk to the ice bath, unplug the thing, lift the lid, get in, sit, do my meditation there for three minutes, get out. And it's just, it's automatic now. It's still uncomfortable, but it's, hmm. it's automatic because I do it way more often. And I feel, I always think about how I'm going to feel after, how my day is going to be improved, my energy levels, my clarity, how it's going to help 
And as I'm sitting in that discomfort, I'm sitting there thanking. And I'm saying, thank you for this freezing cold water. Thank you for enhancing my immune system. Thank you for helping me be a better father, a better husband. Because when you're in those challenging situations, I can breathe through it, calm my nervous system down like I have to in this ice bath to relax and you know, help me be a better leader, interviewer, etc., a better athlete. And I think about those things in that challenging time. And for me, it helps me get through it. And then I get into the gym and I do my workout and it's like, then I feel amazing, right? I feel that accomplishment. I feel that those are the days, and I think you would agree from what you just said, that you feel the most accomplished is when you don't want to do something, your body hurts, everything sucks, all you want to do is sleep and you do it anyway. Like, isn't that the most accomplishing feeling you can have compared to like any other uh, experience when it comes to you know, fitness or anything like that? Yeah, 100%. A couple of reasons though, right? Like not just to say that simply as an answer, but here's the reasons why. I think we're all in a struggle as we go through life to sort of find this belief in ourself and this love for ourself that's hard to find. Because you know why we're seeking validation from everyone else? And they're not going to bring that to us. We need to bring that to us. And so every time we work through that challenge, we fall more in love with ourselves. And the more we love ourselves, the better we show up in life, the better we show up for our family, our friends, our people at work, because we are no longer worried about sort of this temporal stuff or this sort of noisy world that we live in. We can live in a place of security and confidence. And that's why that's so powerful because when we can't get over that, then we have these questions and these doubts. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are on the other side of this. But what I know, Nathan, because you and I have talked about this a lot, <clears throat> we are not special humans. We're just humans. Like we are the same as everyone else. We just made decisions to start on this journey. And what we would love to encourage everyone is start on your journey. Be patient. Give yourself time. It doesn't happen in a week or a day, but why would you rush through it anyway? Every year it builds on the year before and it builds and it builds and the community changes and the opportunity grows. And then like you can come up with this crazy idea like I did in 2017. I'm going to turn it into running marathons on six continents in six days. Seemingly improbable for the kid from the Bronx. But it all manifested in that and the confidence I had in myself to plan it, to do it, and to live it. And so 100% agree that those are the moments I look for. I look for the struggle to work through it so that I can continue to believe in myself so I can show up in the world in a better way, which would then be better for everyone, including me. I, I hear some people saying in the back of my mind, wherever this is coming from, is like, yeah, but I don't have the time or oh, yeah. uh -huh. I'm too busy or too old, right? Or I'm too this, I'm too that, which is an excuse. I mean, we all have excuses. We all have the things that the reasons, the self-limiting beliefs that prevent us from actually living our best life, achieving our goals, experiencing mm -hmm you know, life and health at the highest level. But it's those excuses and those reasons that 
I've found that we have to we have to dig deep and find out where are these coming from. First of all, why is this instilled in me? You know, and then number two, how do I overcome this? How do I transform this? How do I, you know, use this excuse or this reason actually as fuel, which is what I do, right? Like when I started CrossFit, I weighed like 175 pounds. I'd never lifted a heavy weight in my life. And, you know, here these guys are back squatting 500 pounds and snatching 300 pounds. They're running a five minute mile. They're deadlifting 500, 600 pounds. And it's like, I'd never deadlifted before. You know, they all yep. started with college backgrounds and college, you know, college, most of them with, you know, they were collegiate athletes. They were back squatting 300 pounds when they're 16, 17 years old. You know, I tried to back squat a couple hundred pounds when I was like 20 something and injured myself and never touched a weight again for like 10 or 12 years, I'm 30 years old. And I'm going into the sport already with all these excuses. And I looked at them and used them as fuel. And still to yeah. this day, it's like, no, these are the reasons why I am doing this. You know, it's because it's not to prove to anybody else, it's to prove to myself mm-hmm. that it's like having that impossible goal, you know, and, and I say impossible because in most people's minds, what I'm trying to achieve is impossible. And, and yet it's something that drives me every day. It's having that thing that, that might just be out of reach, but I'm still striving towards it every day because Number one, I'm enjoying the journey. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, right, you're not going to last very long. So it's like I'm enjoying the journey. I'm learning through the struggle. I'm building that resilience and that confidence, and it's making me a better person. And it's not all about the outcome, right? And I think you said, why, why rush through it? And I think the reason why most people, why any of us rush through something, whether it's like exercise or a weight loss program you know, or, or a, a diet or whatever is because we're so attached to the outcome, right? It's like, we want that perfect body or we want that health or we want that perfect, you know, the, the financial freedom or the perfect relationship. We want the outcome and forget about how important and how vital it is to actually go through the journey of achieving whatever it is that we're achieving. And you, you know, know probably better or as much as anyone, because every one of those accomplishments for you has been, I'm sure, just an extraordinary journey. Yeah. So so the first part, you just have to go back on. Not enough time. There's 168 hours in the week. And I have in my book, put a worksheet in there, which said, like, why don't you write down what you do for a week? And let's see if you're happy with how you spend your time. So let's do start off with an assessment. And I, most of the times run these programs, most people are not happy with how they spend their time because they haven't contemplated it. And, you know, nothing against the Netflix universe, but if you're spending three hours a day on that, I am sure we could cut an hour out and make it into something else. Now, I think that's part one. So we have enough time. Part two, yeah, I started this whole thing when I had little kids. I just got up a little bit earlier. You know, they're sleeping. I got up at five o'clock because I was going to do something better for me and actually ultimately better for them because I would show up better. I think the third part of the equation is if you, I I haven't met too many people who don't want to live a long, happy, healthy life, then we have to think about that very proactively because the decisions we make will affect that. And so this is about taking responsibility for ourselves. And if someone were to, seriously say that they don't care about their health 
that they don't want to live a long, happy life, then I guess that's okay. But if you do, then you have to make some different choices because it doesn't just happen. Biology and lifestyle don't really intersect well. Yeah, when you're 25, you could probably have five beers and still wake up in the morning and go run a 5K. But when you're 55 years old, that ain't happening. And so you have to make lifestyle choices. You have to eat differently. You have to sleep differently. You need a different mindset. You need to exercise differently. You have to actually think very consciously about biology because we aren't going to be here forever. So why don't we optimize the way the system works by using it more productively, more constructively, and be respectful of our body and our mind and our soul. And when we do that, then time is actually not even a question because you would make an investment like a 401k to save for your retirement, right? Everyone would do that. Get a pension. But if you're not investing in your health in the same way, then what are you going to end up with? Money in the bank and a body and a mind and a soul that can't live to it? I think that they need some work. Now, the good news is time really doesn't go that fast. And we have plenty of time to work our way in that direction. Get with the right community. Find a coach. Give it a try. Do it by yourself. There's nothing about perfection in this. It's actually just your application of all of it. So if you're saving for your 401k, then invest in yourself in the same way. Those two will intersect in a beautiful way. So when you're in your 60s or 70s and you want to sort of change sort of the way your journey is evolving, you will be ready for that in a way that you will be very, very happy. And so, yeah, uh, the 168 hours is plenty of time to get done all that we need to if we're productive in how we think about it. What does an average day for you look like? Hmm. So run, run, us through, run us through your whole schedule. How much do you sleep? You know, yeah. what does your training schedule look like, your work schedule? I'd love to know that. I, uh, it's, it's evolved a little bit. Nathan, as I got older, you know, I used to be the guy who slept four and a half hours a night, which, you know, really is not a good idea, as I found out. So let's see, I wake up typically about 530 in the morning. Um, and I, you know, do the simple stuff of getting ready. And then I pull my sneakers on and I go out for a run um, outside. The weather does not matter to going outside. There's no weather that would keep me from going outside. So raining, snowing, just it's a matter of how you dress. And so we can survive. And so I run seven miles a day or more every day. And I don't go fast. I'm not trying to set any records. I'm just one getting, you know, hopefully sunlight on my face, a little bit of vitamin D. But more than anything, I'm waking up. And I actually, it's so fun, Nathan. Like my first mile is like so slow, you know, it's just like getting the body moving. And so by the time I'm done, I'm moving along really nicely. And, you know, I've now run over 50,000 miles over the past 15 years. And everyone says, oh, your knees are going to fall apart. Like, I literally feel great. I don't have any of those problems. And, you're, and um, you, are back, in your, you are in your 50s or, or pushing 60, right? Aren't yeah. you? Uh-huh. I'm actually... I even like to talk about it. I'm 63 years old. 63, and that's so, right. Yeah, because I remember when we did the Ageless Living series that you spoke at. Yes. Um, I think you were, you had just turned 60 or 57. Yeah. Wait, was was that six years ago? No way. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
That's crazy. Yeah. No way. So, I was so yeah, so, so you're, I mean, you're a great example of someone that's, you know, they say, oh, yeah, the more you run, the more this, that, the more. I, I mean, I have some theories on that we could talk about at some point, but I don't, I want you to, I don't want to interrupt your flow. Yeah. Um, so, so I do that, I come back, um, and then I'll do some form of um, body weight exercise. So some pull-ups, some push-ups, some sit-ups, uh, you know, and those go upwards of, you know, like I like to do somewhere between 50 and 100 pull-ups um, in sets of 10, um, you know, 200, 300 crunches, sometimes do the 300 push-ups or I save them for later. Then I get dressed, showered, start looking at some work stuff. I try to eat um, reasonably high protein breakfast. So I am not a vegan, but I'm a vegetarian. So a lot of egg whites or, you know, some Greek yogurt or something to start off getting a lot of protein in and then work. Lunch is sort of similar kind of, you know, um, reasonably good food, you know, I don't even know at any time what healthy means anymore, but you know, fruits, vegetables, good quality, try to be less processed, um, work then, uh, you know, depending if I'm on the road, um, usually like my dream day would be to go back out for a run or some other exercise and then eat dinner, do some more work, which is my trap. You know, I like getting my work done and then do the push-ups to finish the day do some reading. Then I write my blog at night every day. Uh, and I try to get in bed between 11 and 1130. So, you know, close to six hours of sleep now, maybe six and a half on a good night. And I do this pretty much every day. So the things that, you know, as I tell people, you know, you, you eat, you sleep and you brush your teeth. And then I add, I write and I exercise. Those are my five daily practices. The, the quiet time and the meditation for me are while I'm running. Um, and so I don't do the active meditation in the way some people do, but I use that time to sort of let my mind wander, especially when you're not going hard, you know, like the nine minute mile kind of thing is 10 minute mile, whatever. You just, you can really leverage that time. And then the writing is a beautiful part of my day. When I get to write, that's another part of sort of that introspection. And as I said, I've written 4,000 days in a row. So I really look forward to that. And, you know, I'm talking to myself and talking to the world. And, you know, and so the variations on those days could be in the weekend. You know, you might get out a little bit more. Uh, but I really make sure that I get outside, that I exercise my mind, body, and soul, that I eat well, that I take care of myself. And, you know, um, you're right. At, I would say at 63 years old that um, I'm probably as strong and resilient as I've been throughout. And so if anyone thinks that they can't do it at any age, um, yeah, I don't really feel any weaker. I know this though, you know, like if I don't do something, I don't feel good, you know? So like if I didn't do the pull-ups for a week, I'll start to feel like, oh, wow, I should get back at that. Uh, I've always sort of liked counting also, Nathan, you know, like saying, oh, let's go do this for a hundred days, you know, um, like during the, the late part of the pandemic, I went 540 days where I ran 10 miles, did a hundred pull-ups, did a hundred push-ups, and I did a hundred sit-ups for 540 straight days. Wow. And so, you know, I just found that, you know, like, I don't know why that's not possible just have to you know work on it and you know this from what you do so uh 
Yeah, I actually, and I get excited about it every day. You know, I, I feel like um, it's such a privilege to just be able to do what I get to do. And, you know, like I don't, and oh, and just other things, most of it's solitary. You know, I love to go, if you were in town, I'd go for a run with you and I would have a wonderful time. But most of it's just me out there by myself and, you know, enjoying it. Like, wow, isn't this fantastic? So I encourage you all to uh, to get out there. I can definitely relate to the the meditation and the running. I think that's one of the things that like hooked me early on was about past mile two, once I could get past two miles, I got into that meditative zone. And I wasn't, same thing, like I was just training just to run and to complete this this uh, goal that I had, right? So I wasn't doing sprints. I wasn't trying to increase my VO2 max. I wasn't, none of that mattered to me. It was like, I just got hooked on the running, the experience of it, how it felt. And about after mile two, most days I could get into that kind of meditative state. And it was it was really useful, very helpful because I could be in that state and ask a question like guidance, right? I'm asking God, I'm asking my higher self and it just, boom, the answer would come. It was just epiphanies mm. after epiphanies after epiphanies. And I found it um, incredibly useful, this physical activity I'm doing, which is good for the body and this uh, guidance and clarity, mental clarity I'm receiving uh, through the running. So, you know, and I, I think I've heard swimmers do the same thing. They get into a zone and they can get into that meditative mm -hmm. state. I haven't gotten there swimming yet because <laughs> I'm <laughs> not that good at swimming yet, but I, I hope to get there one day. I just barely not drown right now. That's kind of my goal yeah. is like, don't drown. Uh, one day I hope to get good enough where I can just get into a meditative zone, but certainly running. I, I know you can do it cycling too. Um, there's a lot of things you can do at that kind of zone two, zone three. Well, let's say more in that zone two pace, yeah. that heart rate where you can just, you, you get, you know, endorphins are being released and you just get so much mental clarity. Um, and I love that. I love that. Um, the thing that I would offer, I, I go out now and my body's been conditioned to do, you know, the morning without any calories now, I'm not a big fasting person. That's not like my point of it, because that's a whole separate topic that we probably don't need to get into. But what's interesting is that, you know, how much energy we have stored in our system uh, is sometimes missed, you know, like whether it's two or 3000 calories of glycogen that we have in our system, the body fat that's there. It's this efficiency that we're able to create the more we use it. And so, you know, interestingly enough, when people, you know, ask about like, oh, what do you eat and all that, you know, and I've maintained my weight and body fat percent and all this for the past seven years within 1%. And so very stable, you know, none of this up and down. And so what I know is that I've become more efficient. I really have. So I don't need so much. Just actually know how to use what I have. Now, if you and I were going, like when you go really deep on the zone four and into zone five, that's a different scenario. For that, we would actually think differently about fueling, et cetera, and recovery. But in the system we call zone two for everyone listening, that's a heart rate that's conversational, right? This is not feeling like a big strain. Our system can almost go forever in that mode. 
And so therefore we should be able to fuel off of what we have. And, and so um, so I've I've really enjoyed learning about that more, you know, and trying it out and seeing how it works. And if you're going for anything more than two hours, you should be bringing calories with you. But up to an hour, you don't need anything. Between an hour and two, it's how you feel. Over two, then you want to do something different. Of course, if you're going to get out there for 30 hours, that's a wholly different circumstance. But but these are the things that are fun to learn, you know, and fun to experience. Now, when you're prepping for, let's say, a 100-mile race, you've done 100-milers, right? Yep, eight times. Yeah. Uh, when you're prepping for a 100-mile race, do you – how does your mindset – kind of shift in regards to that versus like a 50 mile race, obviously, well, I'm assuming and asking, does your training plan shift? Are you trying to get more miles in and for how long? I mean, I'm assuming that the answer is yes, but like, how does your, how do you approach that mentally? Cause a hundred miles in a race is no joke, right? Like you said, the nutrition right. factor, the digestive issues that come up for people, the, the yeah. pain, the, you know, the fact that you're running, often through the night when your body's yep. used to sleeping, all these different, you know, just unbelievable things you can't even imagine are, are coming up within you. Uh, I'm sure the desire to quit at any point during it as well. <laughs> yep. How are you thinking about it? And, and I guess the second question there is, what are some of your top lessons uh, that you've learned from doing these really long races that have served you in your personal life? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and it's a journey of some sort of unexpected. Like you know, I never the first time I heard someone ran fifty, I was like, huh? And then when they said a hundred, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this, no way. You know, I've actually my longest was two hundred and five miles, um, which was over three days. You know, that was the, was that like the Lake Tahoe one, or was that the yeah. Lake Tahoe? Lake yeah, Tahoe two hundred. Yeah, and. And so I think that, so on the training side, leading up to it, I'll run 50K, a 50 miler, you know, in training, you know, like get out and do some long races, then increase my mileage. My mileage now averages between 50 and 60 miles a week. I'll push it up to 70 to 75 miles a week. And then... Um, you know, leading up to the race, you know, I think that what I've learned, like nutrition over 20 hours is like the beginning of the end of your race. Like if you don't think about nutrition, once you hit 20 hours, you can just be done. Like, because we have literally burned through everything we have in ourselves. I don't even care if you're just hiking anymore. Like it doesn't matter. And so that'll make you just sit down on the side of the trail and you may not get back up. So really conscious, because in the beginning, like, so the back to this thing, I just said, oh, first two hours, I don't need anything if I'm just going out on the weekend. But in that kind of race, you have to be taking nutrition in every hour religiously. And so you have to create a system to remind yourself, because you'll just start not wanting to eat, and then you're not going to want to eat, and then you're really not going to want to eat, because you're going to feel worse and worse, and then eating doesn't, it's not satisfying at all but you have to have it. So nutrition, number one reason why we either succeed or fail in a hundred mile race. Uh, and, and nutrition means both the food and the liquids, you know? So if you get electrolyte imbalance, if you're dehydrated, you know, oh my God, the amount of hallucinations we'll get or 
hilarious, you know. Um, <clears throat> in most of these races now, we can get uh, pacers after 50 miles to come with us. So a friend who can run 10 miles or 20 miles with us and maybe get multiple pacers. It's like a second runner's brain we talk about. They help us think as we get more fatigued and as we get sort of a little bit less aware of what's happening. And so they're good to help us with nutrition. Um, also, if you're doing something you know, where you might be getting into the cold of the evening, our bodies do not maintain heat in the evening time when we're running a hundred mile race. So we get very cold, very fast. And so you have to probably overdress um, to just maintain body temperature. So, so the second part of this, so we got to take care of, you know, sort of our nutrition, take care of our body heat. These are the things that would actually stop us, right? Because we'll get hypothermic or we'll get dehydrated or we'll be nutritionally imbalanced. And so those are just like structural learnings and then use either a system that you have, you've written down, you stay true to it or have a pacer with you. The actual interesting part, the, the running piece, like, so what is the biggest risk there most likely is our feet and taking care of our feet, right? Because I've run with 17 blisters and I got to tell you, that's not fun. Okay. So <laughs> thinking about, <laughs> okay. I swear Can't to you, I imagine blisters when I did the level <laughs> 100. And so something, Nathan, that I didn't know, it's like, sometimes you're like, oh my God, I should have known, but like, you actually have to wear shoes that are bigger than you would normally wear. So if you wear a size 10 and a half sneaker, wear an 11 and a half when you're running on a hundred mile race, because your feet swell, you need a bigger sock, you need some kind of lubricant. you got to take care of your feet. You're probably going to go through some streams. Your feet are going to get wet. And so you may even want to change your socks out every once in a while. So take care of your feet. And then the last part of this is, the pain and suffering piece. Let's just be clear. There's going to be moments when you want to not be there. <laughs> you know, like, I just want this to be over now. And so like we go through this whole thing of the highs and the lows. How I feel now isn't going to how I'm going to feel later. And it's going to keep changing. I'm going to feel great. I'm going to feel terrible. I'm going to feel great. I'm going to feel terrible. It's just the cycle of we're just really pushing our system pretty hard. And, you know, I think I've developed a few techniques that just keep silly things. Like, for example, I always tell myself on Tuesday, you're going to be sitting in a conference room with a cup of coffee and it's going to be warm and comfortable and you're going to be in a meeting and you'll be there soon. You'll be there soon. So just like keep thinking about how easy that is and like focus on that. So I just talk myself into it. The second thing is that quitting is with us forever. The pain is temporary. And so that, I think I was doing this race in um, Northern Alabama called the Cool Jewel 100 last year. And I had a really rough go of it. You know, my back was hurting. I had a rash. I had fallen and hit my head, you know, was tired and hungry. I was sort of miserable. And I said, you know, this kind of suffering doesn't rise to the level of quit. It's just not legitimate. It not sorry, you know, broken leg, sure, something material, yeah, but this didn't rise to that level. And I kept realizing that that's the learning right there. When we hit these tough moments in our lives, do we run away? 
Do we walk away? Do we just quit? And I don't think that that is how success happens. We stay in the game. And then, you know, I got to the finish line. I made it there. And that is the same with work. It's the same with the relationship. It's the same with our belief in ourselves. We cannot sort of interpret some of that temporal suffering as a reason to quit or walk away. Because my gosh, if we ever did that, then we have nothing. Like, because they're mostly, and then what I mean by temporal is they're only there for a little point in time. This is not permanent. And so it's normalizing that and recognizing that it is through that journey, that struggle that we define ourselves. So what I've really enjoyed about the 100 mile race, and I'm gonna do at least one every year until I can't do them anymore, because I wanna remind myself of the power that I have to overcome, because that'll translate to the rest of my life and hopefully role model for others, the same behavior that they could also mimic and make their lives similarly powerful. Yeah, it's incredibly inspiring. I like how you use these practical things as well, because this is helpful in our lives where you're going through a challenge, some terrible thing has happened, a loss maybe, and, and you have to remind yourself, hey, in a few days or next week or tomorrow, you know, it's going to be different. I'm going to be at this place. I'm going to have this experience or even as simple as like this morning, you know, I didn't want to work out, didn't want to get an ice bath, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I know how I'm going to feel at the end of it. So I remind myself, look, when you're finished, you're going to feel amazing and you're going to feel accomplished that you did it. And it's those little kind of practical reminders when the mind is telling you, no more, I quit, this sucks, I'm not doing this. It's like, no, think about, find something that you can latch onto, uh, a positive experience, a positive thought, positive memory, a positive something in the future that can keep pulling you forward. I think one of the reasons I, I fell, uh, many reasons I fell in love with CrossFit, but I'll keep coming back to CrossFit because I think one of the reasons I fell in love with CrossFit is the similarities between the experience I had with the ultra marathon that I ran. Because while that was an eight hour experience, ups and downs, highs and lows, wanting to quit, the pain, having to talk yourself to keep going through it, all that kind of stuff. I experience that every single day in CrossFit and anybody who does CrossFit experiences that every single day. It's just in a really condensed format. It's in a 20 minute, you know, Metcon or a one hour class or a 12 minute, you know, high intensity interval training. Everybody experiences, everybody experiences the pain, the, you know, intense, uh, the intensity, the, the, the wanting to quit or slow down, you know, and then having to talk yourself through it. Nope, I'm going to keep going. Nope, I'm going to feel amazing when I'm done with this. Nope, I'm not going to cheat my reps. Nope, I'm going to be, you know, with integrity with this. And and at the end of that 12 minutes, it's like you've gone through all that experience mentally and physically, and then all of a sudden, you know, you just have this this bliss, this euphoria that, you know, rushes all over your body and you feel amazing. So it's like I go through that every single day in smaller chunks, of course, and not yeah. Not, not at that higher level where you're literally dealing with that for hours and hours on end. It's like 12 minutes, you get it. And then you're, but it's those little accomplishments, whether someone does CrossFit, ultra running, running, whatever, any sport, any athletics, it's, it's those moments that build your character, right? That create the character within you that determine, like you said, is this enough 
to make me quit. You know, the rash, the back pain, the, the, all these things going on. And, and in your mind is like, no, that's not enough to make me quit. You know, I need a broken leg. I need a, you know, something that I just can't move anymore. Like that is a type of mindset that is extraordinary. It's way beyond normal. It's way beyond ordinary. It's way beyond what most people experience in their lives. That is extraordinary. And how you got to that mindset, I think, is um, something that could be beneficial to everybody. You know, and I don't know if you're fully aware of all the steps along your life that have gotten you to that mindset. Because I remember talking with you years ago, and that's not how you were growing up, right? You didn't have that no. mindset growing up. So you cultivated that along the way. And what do you think are some of the experiences and moments of wisdom or clarity that have helped you cultivate that kind of resilience in your mindset? Because I think that's a mindset, not only is our youth and the, you know, our, our youth and current generations um, lacking today, our upcoming generations uh, are, are lacking uh, substantially, not everyone, but a lot because of the way that the culture today is like, coddling and babying every single person of you know wiping every little tear and it's like hey there's a time and place for compassion and love and there's a time and place for like hey get up let's go time to move you know quit quit uh, whining about this thing and i think we're we've been losing as a culture and i think we need more and more of that kind of mindset like no this is not enough to quit this is just pain this is temporary there's a little bit of suffering i can overcome this how did you get to that in your life where did that come from of course you know, it's not a simple answer. Better looking back, trying to figure it out than figuring it out as I was going along. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of people who would relate to high school was hard. It never felt good. I wasn't invited to the parties. I didn't have a girlfriend. I was made fun of. I guess they would call that bullying. Um, and what I started to realize was that, you know, if I sort of let that be the theme it was sort of over like I didn't like the idea that I wasn't going to end up with anything more and so like one of the first sort of big learnings I had was when if you didn't get invited to the party and you want to go to a party then have one like put it on don't be a victim like and so then I started doing that and like oh all of a sudden I was included because I was organizing it and so what I started to realize was that every time I then took ownership for my situation, it started to get better. So if I wanted to go rock climbing because I was really intensely intrigued, I then invited some friends to go to the climbing gym and said, hey, let's learn how to do this. And then on Wednesday, I'd call them up. Let's go again. Let's go on Saturday. And so what I found was the things that I wanted to do I could make them happen by making a decision. And so I started to create the life that I wanted to have, the life that everyone talks about, this sort of like lottery ticket kind of world. Like I didn't need a lottery ticket. I just needed to lean in. I had to have some patience, admittedly. You know, like when I decided to do Ironman, I gave myself five years, you know, and so I just didn't make it so intimidating that it was impossible. I just found that every time, you know, I wanted something more, I realized that I could go get it. And it was this awakening that happened little by little that all the things that seemed so improbable, you know, 
I don't know, when I was Ernst and Young, there was a year that I thought I should become a partner because I thought I was really good at what I did and I didn't make it. And I went home and Auntie and my wife said to me, said, are you going to sit there and sulk? Or are you going to do something about it? Why don't you just go prove them wrong? And I'm like, huh, that's a good idea. And so literally that next year, I crushed the results at such a level that I made partner. And so it was this reminder that it wasn't anyone else's responsibility to turn it on. It was mine. So if I wanted more, then I had to do more. There was no other way to get it. There was literally no other way to get it. So that's just the choice we all have. You chose to do that with a lot of the endeavors you've taken up. CrossFit's your easiest one to talk about, but you've started many businesses. Like, but no one gave those to Nathan. Nathan decided to go create them and said, did they all work? But doesn't even matter. What does that mean? You learn, you grew, you developed. Like, it's all about this, like, how are we defining success? A gold medal? I mean, look, Michael Phelps needs therapy because he won 17 gold medals, the best ever, right? <laughs> and he still point, has, yeah. right? Like, so the thing that we're seeking is this sort of like recognition of progress isn't the point. The point is that you went into the system and you developed yourself. Does it always work? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. All that matters is you showed up the best way you can. And that's what I started to learn. And so, you know, when people like, there's this cute question now, you know, like, what's your superpower? Like an interview question. And I'm like, yeah, I think my superpower is when I make a commitment to myself, it happens. That's my superpower. There is no way out of a commitment I made to myself. And so that doesn't matter with anyone else. This is just Joe with Joe. And so therefore, my life is going to be as good as it can be. I don't know what that means, but it will be as good as it can be. Because I made that commitment. This is like, you know, Nathan, I make this joke that the dictionary is actually your lottery ticket. There are words in it, just go pick these words out. Passion, grit, enthusiasm, curiosity, courage, you know, love, compassion, like just pick 10 really good words and live to them. There's your lottery ticket. Like I love it when someone says I have grit. I'm like, I developed that, you know, that's perseverance over time and unwillingness to quit when it gets hard, you know, crawling through the mud and just sort of just not worrying about the little scrapes here and there. This is what life is about. This is what the power that we have been given to go use. And so, yeah, the suffering is sort of the privilege because what we've done is sort of been responsible with the power we've been given. And that's really important. And that's why we make commitments to ourselves. Because look, you want your family and anyone who works with you to believe what you say is true. Hey, Nathan says he's showing up tomorrow morning. I always tell these people, you know, like there's only a few things that can make me frustrated. And it's only when you make a commitment to me and you didn't really mean it. So Nathan says, hey, Joe, I'll go run with you tomorrow morning. I'm like, great, let's meet at six. And at 5.45, I get a text, Joe, it's raining outside. I don't think I'm going to go. I'm like, wow, you didn't consider that? Like, you know, think about that. Like, what commitment did you make? To what? Nothing, really, nothing. And so... Don't even say yes. Like, I'd rather you say no. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> just, but when you make a commitment, just do it. Like, is there anything else like we should 
hold ourselves in account to. So to me, you know, I am intimidated by someone who says I'm extraordinary because I still remember being that kid with nothing, you know, the smallest kid in the class, everyone pushed around, made fun of. Um, so that still carries with me. So I'm just trying to prove them all wrong. Uh, and by not being a victim, but by being, you know, a survivor and a leader in my own life. Well, and you've clearly, you know, proved yourself right along the way that the choices you've made have been the right choices for you. You know, your life reflects that your, your, the purpose and meaning in your life reflects that the passions that you have, the contribution that you have, the, you know, the companies that, that, uh, you join as an employee and, you know, very short time later, you're the CEO of like, I think I've heard you tell me that like in multiple cases, you know, and, and not small companies either, or they're small and then you scale them, you know, 10 X for example. So, I mean, you're living testament to what you, what you speak about. And what I hear you saying is that mindset for you, it wasn't overnight. It was a journey. It was these little experiences along the way where you said, Hey, if I, if I have a little bit of that stick to I, I have a little bit of that grit. My experience is significantly better, right? And you do that again and you do it again and you do it again. And you're putting yourself through these hard challenges and for any, and I just putting it out there for anybody, it doesn't have to be ultra or CrossFit or running or anything. It's find those, what I found for me, and I think this can help people in, in a lot of ways is find something that you can sign up for that you can train for physically that you can prepare for and set out to achieve that, you know, and I, I talk with my, the woman who cuts my hair, for example, she signs up for these 5k runs and for her, you know, that gives her something to, to train for every three, four or five months. And it's just for fun. It's just for charity, but it gets her exercising. It gets her going to the gym. It gets her going out and going for little runs. You know, it could be playing tennis. I mean, I started, learning to play tennis because my daughter liked tennis and so i wanted to be outside spending more time with my daughter you know, i never thought i'd like tennis i was like yeah that's a you know rich man sport for a bunch of posh people whatever judgments i ever had about it uh and i started playing i was like i actually really love tennis and these people are amazing athletes and what a joy to be outside with my daughter playing in the sunshine playing tennis like this is amazing it's but I tell people, find something physical that you can do that brings you some sense of joy. And then, you know, join a community or a club or a, you know, set a goal with that thing that can keep pulling you and driving you forward. Because then that's when you get tested, right? The universe, God, whatever you want to believe. I, I truly believe I've seen it a million times. You get tested. Do you really want this thing? You know, are you really committed to this? Let's see your resiliency. Let's send a snowstorm on the day that you're supposed to go out, like you said, on a run or, or do this thing. Let's send it, you know, something, some kind of chaotic thing. Are you going to commit to what you said you're going to do? I have to agree with you completely that it, it is frustrating when you have somebody, could be anybody, that commits to doing something with you, like training or whatever. And then, you know, not only it's like, okay, they don't show up one time. But then it happens three or four or five times and you're like, all right, I'm done. Like, you know, cause I do most of my training by myself as well. I have for years. Um, and even when I go to the gym, I'm still doing my own thing most of the time, but I love being around other people. I love that sense of community. 
I love that camaraderie, but a lot of it is by myself and has been, you know, and that's that, I think that's where you find yourself. I think that's where you find your character, your resolve. It's like, are you going to show up and do this for yourself? Nobody's around. I'm not filming everything for social media. I might film, you know, one thing every once in a while to put on social media, maybe try and inspire people. It's like, that's not why you do it, right? It's showing up every day for yourself, that commitment for yourself. But I think you've got to have, let me know your thoughts on this, but I think you've got to have real goals, something tangible, something that can pull you forward when times are tough. I know for me, having bigger long-term goals certainly help with that. Yeah, I, I certain focus like it does definitely help there. I think that the the piece, just one other point I wanted to make before I forgot was like my metaphor of the rusty swing set. You know, so when you have kids, you got this swing set in your backyard and they use it every day and it works beautifully. And then they grow up and no one uses it. And four years later, you walk back there and the thing is just falling apart. It's rusted. It sat there and did nothing. So like what happened? Right now I have one in my backyard. <laughs> right. So what happened, right? It didn't get used. Had the kids used it for the past four years, it would still work fine. So this metaphor is really about us, right? So the goals and or the consistency is to avoid the rusty swing set phenomenon, which is through the lack of use, whether that's, we've talked a lot about physical, but my writing every day is also about me staying sharp of mind, you know, and being able to do that. I have to go through a process. I have to think. I have to use words. I have to edit, et cetera. And, you know, and someone said to me, when are you going to stop writing the blog? And I said, I don't understand the question. They said, well, you know, aren't you going to just like maybe, I don't know, another year? I'm like, I don't know. I'd sooner not sleep or eat. This is like not a question of I'm doing something for a period of time. I'm doing this for my life. You know, it's like, this is actually really important to maintaining vibrancy. And so I do like having goals like, oh, okay, which hundred mile race am I doing next year? So I make sure that I get geared up. I'm looking for a new big adventure. That process is really fun and creative. A friend of mine said to me, which ones are you thinking about next year? I wrote him back. He's like, holy cow, you're really thinking about this. I'm like, yeah. And so the process of thinking about the goals is almost as fun as setting the goal as achieving it. You know, in the book, I wrote this sort of four words, dream it, plan it, practice it, do it. So spend some time in each of those spaces. Dream about what you'd love to do. Plan it, see how you do with that. Then start practicing and then go do it. And, you know, that methodology helps us you know, and feels exciting. Like, I think it's really exciting to think about what pulls us into next year. You know, the podcast that I named was called Chasing Tomorrow because I'm always sort of leaning in. You know, I want to get there. I want to be in tomorrow. I want to like, go create more. And, you know, one of the methods that you can use is a little bit of, if you don't like something, what do you want to do about it? Like, why would you leave it there? You know, oh, I don't, you know, that mirror test is a great one. You know, look, stand in front of the mirror. Do you like what you see? If you don't, then what would you do about it? And 
if you do, that's great. Fantastic. But like, let's not rely on anyone else. And the goals that you set are yours. You don't need any permission. You know, I love saying you don't need permission to live the best version of your life. And, and I do think that, you know, maybe one other point back on the, you know, I don't have enough time. I think in a family setting or a relationship setting, it's important to recognize there's others who are in the mix. And so I think we just have to have an agreement with them on what we're going to set out to do. So, hey, I'm going to work out six hours a week. I'm going to do this. Is everyone okay with that? And so develop this level of respect for each other. Hey. I'm going to go out and play tennis and everyone will be like, oh yeah, that's great. Hey dad, have a good time. Or Nathan, have a good time. You know, like that kind of thing. So we, we want to be mindful of the people around us. But we also want to create these goals for ourselves so that we have that motivation. You know, the dopamine receptor is a pretty strong one. Uh, it creates motivation. And, and the only thing that the brain doesn't like is futility. So let's stay away from that. Let's have some goals. And let's um, avoid our rusty swing set where we don't do anything against them. I love that metaphor. That's such a good metaphor. I want to pull up a recent blog post. Uh, this is October 27th that you wrote. Um, if anyone wants to read these blogs every day, they're short and sweet and very insightful uh, blogs. There's a lot of inspiration here. Um, it's thehighperformancelife.net. But I'm just going to read the second half of this because I think this is so poignant to our conversation. You're talking about the let's show up uh, mindset. You say the let's show up mindset is about a dedication to our journey to be there for all who are in our life, to lend a helping hand and to hold ourselves to the highest of standards. When we show up, we make a positive difference in the lives of those around us and in our life as well. Let's make sure we show up and make the most of this journey. It is our obligation. So when you write these, this is the end of the day. You've ran, yeah. you've worked, you've you know, worked out, you've done everything. This is at night. And as you're sitting writing, are you just, you're just sitting and kind of reflecting on things that you thought about throughout the day, inspirations, kind of share with me your writing process. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I know, you know, because it probably could be better. I... I don't back them up. Like I don't write five and then publish them because it's the daily process that's actually the benefit for me. You know, there, if I'm going to do a hundred mile race and I'm out on the course, I will do two when I start that part so I can keep the consistency, but that seems fair. Um, but otherwise, what I do is, is I sit down with a lot of quiet and start to think about, you know, some of the core philosophies of what are the, I know when I named the book, the high performance life and all that, everyone's like, Oh my God, I don't have that. I'm like, no, but it's about us relative to each other and ourselves. This isn't about absolute performance. It's just about a mindset and a belief that, you know, the human system is infinite in its potential. And so, you know, now after all these years, I have these topics in my head of, you know, well, maybe it was something that happened that day or happened that week. And I jotted down a note or two and I go back and start to think about really writing to myself 
mostly Nathan, you know, it's like, remind yourself that you have this responsibility to show up as, you know, the best version of you. And um, I, I do every once in a while, someone would give me a topic and say, hey, Joe, could you write about this? That's like the easiest thing ever. You know, if you wanted to give me the topic for tonight, I could probably write it in seven minutes. There are some times that have happened when I look at the screen and it's blank for a long time. <laughs> you don't have anything in you. And so I said, what I tend to do then is I find some people who I like their writing and I'll read some things to help stimulate. I've become a bit of a Stoic philosopher fan, you know, and Marcus Aurelius and Seneca. They, you know, 2000 years ago, they were thinking some pretty good thoughts. And so that's like another inspiration for me. Uh, and so sometimes, it, you know, it's this funny thing, right? You know, like I was listening to some writers on a podcast this morning and they were talking about, sometimes I have no idea where it comes from, you know, and all of a sudden triggers. So it's the quiet, it's the process, it's putting myself back in that familiar zone and then my system clicks in and, uh, and then the writing is really easy. It's stylistically similar. You know, I once just, to make people laugh, I used ChatGPT to write the blog and everyone knew it wasn't me. You know, like you can't create my style from AI. It's, you know, it's very clear. If I had a guest, they'd be like, oh, that wasn't you, you know? And so, uh, so I feel like, you know, it's the establishment of a process probably I've shortened it. You know, I used to write a lot more than people said, yeah, I don't want to read that much. So I've actually condensed it down to very like, if you got a minute, you can read it. And yeah, if you go to that website, you can sign up with your email and you'll get a daily blog from me. Uh, and I commit to doing it forever because it's going to help me be better version of me. And if it helps, you know, what's fun is every once in a while, you know, because my email is in there. Like I get a response back from someone and said, wow, that one really hit me well today. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Uh, oh, one other thing, you know, sometimes life things trigger. My very good friend got a um, diagnosis of um, pancreatic cancer. <clears throat> and, you know, he has a limited time left to live. And he's, you know, just a couple of years older than me. And that made me very reflective for a little while, you know, really thinking about, Oh, wow, man, use it well, because he didn't expect that at all. And so, so those times every once in a while, then there'll be some thematic push through for some days where I'm still processing that. But it's a blessing for sure that I've found this method. Uh, and then, you know, once it's done, like I feel at peace. Hmm. So like, oh. If I let sit down in bed, Nathan, I'm like I fall asleep within 30 seconds and I have beautiful sleep every night, every night, never wake up. Oh, I maybe go to the bathroom or something silly, but you know, because I think I feel like every day I go to bed feeling good about me. You know, I know there's hard things going on in this world. I am not ignoring that. I understand it. If I can do something, I will but about what I feel that I can do and deliver and bring every day, you go through all these steps, bring your best version. You don't have any problem sleeping because you're at peace and you want to go recharge. 
and you wake up and you feel great and you want to go do it again. And uh, it's something that uh, I never expected to find. Boy, so happy I did. Joe, your life is incredibly inspiring. And uh, if people aren't inspired after listening to this whole thing, um, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. You're on the wrong planet because... Uh, I'm inspired. I'm actually, I used to write a lot more. I'm, I'm actually getting re you're inspiring me to start writing again. And, um, and just that, that mindset of the, you know, don't quit, stay focused, you know, go through the hard times, uh, push yourself through when you have a goal, like one of the biggest takeaways, I think for me, from our conversation today, today that I love so much is that you know, being so committed to yourself, it's, you're not doing this for anybody else necessarily, even though that's not a bad thing, if it's for family or someone you love, but you know, you're doing things for yourself every day. And that's not selfish. It's taking care of yourself. That's self care, right? You are saying, look, I made this commitment to myself and I'm going to stick to it. And I think if anybody takes away anything that alone, you know, whether it's a weight loss goal, it's a, you know, dealing with a chronic disease like cancer, it's a, relationship, it's fitness, it's business, whatever it is. And you say, look, I've made this commitment to myself. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to do that for myself. That alone is one of the most empowering things you and I both know that anybody can do. And the more we do it, the more we are empowered by the experiences that we have from it. And so, um, dude, it was awesome catching up with you. Um, I, I just love having a conversation with you. I mean, you're, you're, you truly are incredibly inspiring. So, uh, Joe, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. I'll commit to this. We'll do the same thing again in a year, and we'll talk about the more things we did, and um, we'll keep delivering. Nathan, thank you for including me in your podcast and in your life. Um, I feel similarly back to you. So blessings to you. Absolutely, and um, I do recommend people go read your book, uh, Living the High Performance Life. I have a copy, I've actually read it and I've shared it with family members who they said it was incredibly inspiring for them as well. Um, it's on Amazon, Living the High Performance Life, Joe Gagnon, go get a copy of that. You guys will love it. And um, thanks again, take care. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And, you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort. It cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax 
and just breathe and be grateful what, for what you have achieved. <laughs>